Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com I'm a feminist, but I kind of believe that eating porridge in the morning would solve most of my problems in my life. (laughs) I genuinely, I can't do it. (laughs) How? How would it solve any of your problems, though? Any any successful person that gets interviewed and they're like, what do you eat for breakfast in the morning? (laughs) Porridge. With nothing on it. Just my saliva to moisten it up. Goldilocks would bed to differ. Got her into a lot of trouble. Mm. And now I get porridge and I just put loads of sugar on it. I mean... It's very hard. The thing is with porridge, it is slow release. So it gives you energy throughout the day. Isn't it slow release carbohydrates? Yeah. Yeah, so So it is good for you to do that. So maybe... It will solve all your problems. I just think sometimes when I wake up and I don't have porridge in the morning and then I'm like, well, the day's fucked. Let's go back to bed. Yeah, I might as well drink now. (laughs) I'm going to the pub. I didn't have porridge. I'm a feminist, but I don't know if you know, but Andrew Scott has been sort of just purloined and colonised as a national treasure in the UK. I know, I, I, don't blame uh, me. Lads, you're at an English podcast, now come on, like, do you know? <laughs> because of Fleabag, because of Fleabag. So I saw Catelyn Moran talking about him on Twitter and everyone piling in and going, oh my God, he's so hot, he's so sexy, he's so fabulous, he's so amazing. And I saw somebody mm. say, I love him even more now because a couple of years ago I was walking down the street and I saw him and I did a double take and he just gave me a cheeky smile and went, shh. 
was like, oh, yeah, shh, and kept walking. And I always think of that. So here's the thing. Yeah. I am not famous in a way that I would ever be mobbed in a shopping centre, like Andrew Scott. Yeah. But I am famous enough to be recognised out the front of my own venue where I myself am doing a show. <laughs> I don't want to brag, lads, but if I'm appearing on the bill, some people in the queue know what I look like. Yeah. Not, not all of you, to be honest, because it's a podcast. I think <laughs> some of you couldn't pick me out of a lineup. Uh, some of you could not identify my cold, dead body in the morgue were you required to do so. Why would they have to do that? Uh, just... I mean... <laughs> You put your next kid as your podcast audience. <laughs> Case of emergency, Shauna. Yeah, this, is, this is not called a sisterhood for nothing. <laughs> That's true. Um, so tonight when I came in, two things. One, I was very late. I was rushing in, so I thought, I love stopping and talking and meeting people, but if I stop and talk to everyone, I'll end up being really late. Also, it's always so nice because people say, oh, would you take a selfie with me, blah, 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 but I didn't have any makeup on, and I'm a feminist, but no. <laughs> So, so I just was doing the sort of head down, walk really fast to get into the building thing. And as I walked inside, some lovely Guilty Feminist listener went, oh, it's you. And I went, shh. <laughs> and she went, got it. And I kept walking and then I felt ashamed that I'd brazenly stolen the trick of a man. That's... But also like the sexiest Irishman in he, Ireland. He is a... Yeah, yeah. I'm a feminist, but I didn't bring my makeup bag on the plane today, not because I'm not vain, but because I'm not arsed separating me liquids into a sandwich bag. This <laughs> <laughs> is like, done. But if anyone asks, it's because I'm a big feminist. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but... Uh, tonight, somebody said, oh, yeah, so-and-so's in standing upstairs for the podcast. I was like, standing? And I was like, people are standing. For the they said, yeah, there's standing room only. And I was like, that is dedication and that is true feminism because I would not stand, <laughs> I said in the dressing room, for any podcast except one where John Hamm <laughs> was doing a podcast about me. <laughs> <laughs> and then I thought, fucking hell, why don't I have a VIP seat for that? Why am I standing if the podcast is about me? Why am I standing? Why has he arranged a good seat for me? I've gone off him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, would you recognise him outside of his own venue? You know? I believe I would recognise him outside anyone's venue. <laughs> or in my venue. <laughs> That's code for vagina, though. <laughs> Venue. It's full to capacity at the moment. <laughs> Standing room only. <laughs> room, room for one stiff, one stiff stand-up. <laughs> That's a fire hazard. <laughs> <laughs> the exits are clearly marked. <laughs> Oh, that's it. I'm not getting no more now for me. <laughs> do you want to do another oh, I'll do this one, yeah. So, <laughs> I'm a feminist, but the last time I got my eyelashes done by a professional was uh, when I had to go to a funeral. Yeah. 
And the lady who was doing my eyelashes said to me, how are you getting on? Are you going on a lovely holiday, are you? And I was like, no, uh, a loved one has died and I have to go to the, his funeral. And she goes, oh, Jesus, look, I'll give you the full set for half price. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I used my dead relative to get half price eyelashes. <laughs> he didn't die in vain. <laughs> That's what I said in the eulogy. I was like, <laughs> it's not all bad, guys. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I started to think about the idea of why John Hamm, or how John Hamm, could do a podcast about me. <laughs> and, like, how could I make that happen? And I started to dwell on it, perhaps, too deeply. And Tom Selinsky said, well, perhaps if you faked your own death, because then, you know, it, it would like be a memorial podcast. <laughs> Sometimes I think he suggests I fake my own death too often. And <laughs> it's just his answer to everything. And uh, so I was, and I was like, oh, that's a good idea. So I could fake my own death and then I could get him to make a compilation tape of every time I've ever mentioned John Hamm on the podcast. <laughs> Send it to John Hamm with a special request that a tribute episode be done about me and the podcast. And, you know... Somebody would say, oh, yeah, you know, it was just a running joke. She wasn't obsessed with you. Don't be concerned. <laughs> and it would be a really nice thing for the audience and it would cheer everyone up. And then, so he would then come out and uh, the audience would all be cheering and also crying because I'm dead. And, <laughs> or at least they think I'm dead. And then that's why I would be having to stand up the back. Because if I sat next to someone, they'd be like, oh, you're alive. <laughs> And then you would go, shh. <laughs> Live from Vicar Street in Dublin, the Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest host Alison Spittle, and our very special guest, Ellen Coyne, talking about going undercover. <laughs> this is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. I'm Deborah Francis White. With me is Alison Spittle, and tonight we're talking about going undercover. <laughs> now, I feel sometimes feminists need to go undercover. Women are often accused of having guile or being manipulative. And I think... That's because for thousands of years, we've had no power. Mm. We've had a little bit recently, but we've had no power. And so if you have no power, of course, you have to get good at manipulating the powerful in order to get a tiny bit of what you want. So that old thing about, oh, you have to let your husband think it was his idea. Yes, you did, because otherwise he would get 100% of his way. So if you manipulate him to think something was his idea, now you're going to get 5% of what you want and only 95% his way. Yay! And when he, <laughs> when he finds out what you did, you get murdered. 
Being a woman is fun. <laughs> so early in the show. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I feel like you need to let them gently okay. warm up. When murder. are we allowed to bring violence? No, in? okay. That, that's... <laughs> are you somebody who enjoys an undercover role, or is that frightening for you? Um, I suppose I've always kind of been a little bit undercover because I was born in England, and I know. <laughs> well, the thing is, like, um, my accent used to be very English, and like I used to have nicknames in school because my English accent used to get called Del by a lot. That would be one of them. <laughs> <laughs> hurtful. 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 The, hilarious, lads. Um, the other nickname I had now, which I didn't enjoy as much, was Protestant. Um, especially on my communion day, you know? It's very hard. So I went undercover pretty hard. I learned your ways. I got the accent. And now I've moved over to England. It's all... They all go to me, potato. <laughs> and I'm like, but I am one of you. <laughs> Look at this passport. I have to go for an interview on Thursday to say that I'm British, right? I know, I know, I know. The hard thing is, like, she goes to me on the phone, the woman's supposed to give me my, uh, is it called NI number, isn't it? It's a PPI number over here, I think. Oh, National Insurance yeah. Number, yeah, yeah. And she goes, uh, when did you enter the country? And I was like, 14th of June, 1989. Out of my mother's vagina! <laughs> uh, which didn't go too well in an official... Did you say out of my mother's vagina? Yeah. Wow. So that's why I have to go for this interview. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. Because you said vagina? I was a bit attitude to be honest with you. <laughs> she had a very English accent. I felt like I was being colonised, do you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's I know. Like, I go to Sainsbury's now and there's like red lemonade in the ethnic food aisle, right? <laughs> I have never bought a drop of red lemonade while I lived in Ireland, right? And I stare at those bottles and I'm like, only our rivers run free. It's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> what what is red lemonade <laughs> as such it's uh, it's just it's just lemonade with red coloring in it isn't that what it is it's just red lem- it's le- a cancerous soft drink a cancerous a soft cancerous drink soft drink they don't advertise that, <laughs> that now right? with added cancer <laughs> wow you mix it with vodka when you're 15. You see, you're learning everything now. I am. You mix am. the cancer with the vodka. <laughs> you have yourself an Irish good time. It's beautiful. Um, um, so, yeah, how do you feel? Have you oh, ever I'm, gone I'm, undercover? Well, I, yeah, I think there are people who like to go undercover and there are people who aren't. There are people that, if you said, go into that shop and pretend you're someone else and find out. Like, so, for example, I referred early to being adopted. And I rang my friend in Brisbane and said, I found a framing shop where I think my aunt works. Could you just put on a really casual sort of trench coat? <laughs> a casual trench coat? Yeah, and a hat. And kind of go in and just go frame shopping. Like, but just get something framed. She was like, what should I get framed? I was like, just frame anything in your house. Just go, oh, I'll... That's sentimental, that bit of... Pay. I'll frame. You must have something to be... Fra- go and buy something and have it... Fra- go in. 
And it, she was the kind of eager friend who was eager to go in and pretend to be somebody else. I was okay. like, you don't need to pretend to be someone else. She doesn't know what your name is or what my name is. <laughs> she was like, no, I think I'll give myself a name. I was like, no, Matt, what are you doing? You don't need to give yourself a name because then your debit card's not going to match up. So we were really suspicious. <laughs> she doesn't know you, me, or anything about it. She's the aunt. What are you doing? She was like, I just feel I should have a different identity. for. Now, that's the kind of person that wants to go undercover. True. And my, my husband, Tom Salinsky, who produces this show, <laughs> honestly... If you said to him, could you go across the road, you know, pick up, I've ordered a curry and it's under the name Francis White. Could you pick it up? He'd be like, oh, I'm not Francis White, I'm Salinsky. They'll see right through me. <laughs> He'd genuinely panic. He'd be like, but they won't. What if they ask questions? I'm like, well, just say you're my husband. But that, well, why don't we have the same name then? We need a story. I'm like, we don't just, we're just, I just kept my maiden name. Have you not heard of feminism and why it's it called maiden name I'm not a maiden what, what is this anyway and then we'd have a fight about that and then the curry's cold now um, so yeah I personally could think of nothing better than getting on a wig and dark sunglasses and going in and pretending to be somebody else for the sheer thrill of going undercover Hello, Guilty Feminists. It's Jessica Regan here from the Big Speeches Workshop. I'm delighted to announce some summer dates coming your way. We are holding the Big Speeches Workshop on the 21st and 28th of July and the 4th and 11th of August at the Ye Old Rose and Crown Theatre Pub in Walthamstow. So please do go to the Guilty Feminist website to book your places and they go really fast. So get on it. Look forward to seeing you there. We're talking about going undercover. I personally am someone who loves to go undercover and I think it's useful for all of us to learn to go undercover for the sake of feminism. You never know when there's going to be a patriarchal squash down and you're going to need to be able to convert yourself very, very quickly at short notice like the SOE women in the Second World War fighting the Nazis with different wigs and disguises and hats. It could happen any moment now. Just give us a cheer if you think you're someone who would be good at going undercover. Would you just give us a cheer if you would go undercover for the to, to smash the patriarchy? <laughs> give us a cheer if you would unwillingly do that because it is not in your nature to lie. <laughs> give us a cheer if you could not do that. You just couldn't do it. Okay, can you just tell me more about that? <laughs> You're a terrible liar. Okay, so if I were to say, could you just pop over the road, just like a bar or something like that, and go in and say oh, uh, my name is Millie and I've left my coat in here earlier and I called up and you said you had it. You couldn't do it. What would happen if you started to do it? You'd run out. Would you confess? If they went, you're not Millie, prove that you're Millie, you'd go, I'm not Millie. I'm, I'm, what's your name? Well, is it? It's possible, she says Susan, it's possible she's a very good liar and she's put her hand up to demonstrate the, it's possible she's undercover right now. We will never know. We will never know. Did you, why did you point at... Okay, so there's a man here. And he would be very good in a police state. He's put his hand up and he said, the worst liar, she's afraid of telling lies. And he's just pointing at a woman, I don't even know if he knows her. 
No. Do you know this gentleman? He's my husband, she said. Okay. Is he correct? Is he, is he, is he right? You are terrified. You can't even skip a queue. I can lie for days, he says. Why do I, why do I not find that surprising? Makes us like, makes us like a great team in some aspects. But I want to tell lies to, f- to further our position somewhat. She's like, no, I can't do it. Okay, so this is merging into couples therapy now, isn't it? That's just... Okay. Um, so I'm just going to pass the microphone forward. You, you can hold. Con. Con's my name. It is. You know I can't say that name, Colin. Is it Colin? Colin. It's like Colin, but with no I, isn't it? Noel. Con. Oh, Con. Con. I think that's a really bad idea, but... It's too late now, Con. You asked for it, and now you have it. This is absolutely her feminist dream, is to be sitting here, like, right in front of you talking. For me, it's terrifying, but for her, it's a dream. Did you say this is your feminist one? Oh, her, well, actually, hers, yes. She's in love with you. Does, does she have a name? Amy. Amy. <laughs> the love of my life. Oh, redeemed himself. Redeemed himself. Thank you. If you weren't with her, you'd certainly be with one of them now because they've loved that. So, this has turned into something it shouldn't have. Uh, Amy. Uh, I did, I said it, that's twice, yeah. Anyway, so... Give her the mic, they're saying, please, Con. Read the room, Con. I promise he's not always this bad. No, no, this is, this is a delight. This is like a feminist Jerry Springer, isn't it? It's taken a turn. Um, so what's the situation? I don't know. Uh, You've got the mic now. I mean, Con wants to say something about wanting to further his position. So Con likes... Can you give us an example of when Con wanted to further your collective position, but you've not been able to lie? Plenty of opportunities, but... Is this a lie? No, no. Con, Con, tell us. Right, so... I am quite happy to tell lies in some circumstances where I can get away with it. I can't tell her lies. I can't lie to my mum. I can't lie to my granny. That's just the way it is, right? So... Very, in, this is very specific. In other circumstances, my mum, my granny, and her. my wife. That's happy, it. That's Everyone, it. but to the rest of us, I can tell you, you could, so you could literally happy. steal this dress off me while I was wearing it. I say you hadn't done it. Not that, not that sounds rude now, but you know, it's all I've got on me. My shoes. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, perhaps. So, for example, we're in Belfast a couple of weeks ago. A very nice pizza comes along in the shop that we're in at a very early time in the morning. And I think that looks much nicer than the pizza that we've ordered. So I think to myself, they call the name, they call the number, and I say, geez, that looks far nicer than our pizza. I just say, that's our number. We'll take that pizza, we'll leave. They'll never see us again, probably. (laughs) Right? So I think, we'll just take this pizza. Number one, it's bigger. It also probably comes with a garlic bread or something. We'll just take it and we'll go. (laughs) We'll just take it and we'll go. She says to me, no, Con, I can't do that. I'd be like, like, you don't have to do it. If you just leave, I'll do it really quickly. 
She's like, can't, we can't do that. I'm like, but why can't we do that? She's like, because I can't, I'm, you're making me feel, no, I can't do that. I'm like, right, we'll just wait for our pizza then. So this person takes their pizza. I sit, I watch them sit down, they're eating the pizza. It's, it looks really nice. Our pizza comes along, doesn't look as nice. I'm devastated because I happily could have told that lie. She is devastated also, because she knows I'm right, but couldn't have told the lie. Hold on. To get up, I might have to do a bit of downward facing dog. One second. I've got heels on, I'm at an angle. Just about the light, right about nothing else. Oh, well done, Con. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, okay, so. Con. <laughs> All right, so feminism is not just about making things better for Amy, it's also making things better for other women. And by extension, you never know where the intersection is for somebody else. So by you getting the really good pizza with the garlic bread, where does that leave? that poor other person who actually ordered the right pizza in the first place <laughs> and had the forethought to order garlic bread. That's my only question, Con. That's my only question. That's my only question. <laughs> now, you can't answer it because I've taken the microphone away, but <laughs> you see my point. You see my point. I think on that, we are broadly with Amy because there is a... I mean, we're, a, we're absolutely 100% with Amy. <laughs> Because, because there's a cost to somebody else. So, but I'm going to tell you a story, and I am going to tell you, uh, this is my mantra for if you're going undercover, the mantra that you need to use, well, the one that I use that might help you. Sorry, that's not very feminist, isn't it? The mantra that you need to use, end of talking, <laughs> is everything's going exactly to plan. Okay, so... Uh, before I went to university, it was advertised that the Beatles uh, were sort of remastering the music and putting something together. And they'd found some songs John Lennon had written on his own. And then they were adding their own singing to it so the Beatles could sort of have one last single. And there was going to be a big press conference for this. Now, I'm a huge Beatles fan, and so is my friend Mark. My friend Mark said to me, I think I'm going to try and blag my way in. So he rang up and blagged and tried to get in, and they just said, no, obviously you can't come. So he said, oh, well, it was a good try. And I said, no, now the game is afoot. <laughs> I have to get into that press conference just to demonstrate that we can. So the first thing I thought was, who goes to press conferences? Who? Journalists, exactly. So I thought, all I have to do is become a journalist. <laughs> so I started ringing up publications and saying, hello, I have an invitation to the Beatles press conference. Would you like me to write something for your magazine? And they said, no. And I said, don't worry, everything is going exactly to plan. Because you have to ring a lot of magazines. Finally, I rang... TNT magazine, which was for young Australians living in London, which is what I was, I realised what I had to do uh, was ring a publication that couldn't get itself into the Beatles press conference. So I rang up and said, I've got tickets for the Beatles press conference. Would you like an article? And they said, oh, yes, we couldn't possibly get into that. So we'd definitely buy the article if you can get in. And I said, great. 
So then I hung up and I rang the people at the Beatles press conference and I said, I write for TNT magazine. There's a big young readership and I would like to come to your press conference. And they said, oh, okay, yeah. Readers of TNT magazine might buy the Beatles CD. Okay, all right, because it was CDs because that is how old the story is. <laughs> and they said, yeah, yeah, okay. Oh, but unfortunately, we've just given the last two tickets away. So I said, okay, well, maybe somebody will drop out. They said, maybe you can call back. And I hung up and I said, everything is going exactly to plan. <laughs> so I rang up TNT magazine and said, I'm in. All I need from you is a letter to say I write for TNT magazine. And they said, okay, we'll send it to you. So now I have a letter saying I'm writing a story about the Beatles press conference from TNT magazine and uh, no invitation to the press conference. Everything is going exactly to plan. So I say to my friend Mark, right, I'm going to turn up on the day with the letter. Now, I suddenly realise, how am I going to get this numpty in to come with me? It's his idea. I can't leave him at the door. So I said, can you get hold of an SLR professional camera so you look like my sidekick photographer? And he said, sure. I said, great, everything is going exactly to plan. Meet me at the Savoy Hotel at two o'clock on Wednesday. And we turn up. And I said, great, have you got the camera? He said, no, but I've got a case. <laughs> I said, well, what if they look inside and search it? He said, I've got a disposable camera in there. <laughs> I said, Mark, you can't go in there. I said, if they open that, you're going to rumble us. He said, they won't open it. I said, they might open it for security. He said, then I'll pretend it was stolen. <laughs> I said, everything is going exactly to plan. So we go up to the door and, we, and I just think, if I just give my name, they'll probably think, oh, it's too hard to find. Sure, go in. So I gave my name, said TNT Magazine. They said, you're not on the list. I said, well, they said that someone might drop out. They said, well, no one's dropped out. And I said, but I've got this letter from TNT Magazine to say I'm a journalist. They said, you can't come in. I said, I've brought my photographer all this way now. They said, you can't come in. I said, but please, because we've got to write this article. I've been commissioned to write the article. I was getting a full 50 quid. I was like, I, I said, I don't, I've got to come in. I'm sorry, I've got to come in because of this and this. And look at that camera case. <laughs> And the chap turned around and the lady behind him said, that Japanese film crew hasn't turned up. And he went, all right, in you go. And then he said, can I just search your bag? And the lady said, there's no time. And we walked in and I said over to my shoulder to Mark, everything has gone exactly to plan. Thank you very much. I only realised in the break that con is another word for lie. <laughs> and do you know when I realised it? When a man pointed it out to me. <laughs> he said, That's, he's a con man. He's, it's literally in his name. I was like, you're right. He's, you know what? And we'd ordered a tie and none of what we ordered came. It was much less good than what we'd ordered. And I know who's got it. I know who's got my green curry. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, and the other thing, Alison, is yeah. that... Do you remember last time we were here, we discovered there were three gay Michaels? Yeah. Can we get to... an update? Well, <laughs> yeah. I, we, we, had, we had a bet. Oh, don't tell me yet. We had a bet. Don't tell us we got a bet. We, we had, had a bet. bet. I bet that one, at least one gay Michael is here. So I've put my bunny on one gay Michael. I think two, because I think we've got a good retention rate. Okay. okay. Now, <laughs> at this point, we are only looking for original gay Michaels. We are aware that there might be alternative gay Michaels who turned up because they felt welcome in the space. <laughs> I imagine there's more than three gay Michaels in Dublin. <laughs> there's probably upward of 12. <laughs> so, I wonder how many gay Michaels there are in Dublin. Could someone find that information out for next time? Okay, all right. I think one, you think two. two. And whoever is right yes. or closer... Oh, gets yes. the choice of this box of cookies. One second, I'm just going to go and get them. One second. Okay, okay. Do you want we... me to get them? You chat away. No, 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 no. Just. Uh, I'm up now. Uh... <laughs> I know, but you already brought the mic. I don't want to use you like a butler. Oh, chicken, I'm your co host. This is like, come here. The beef. <laughs> there we go. No butter. No butter. Master. Right. So we got this. <laughs> <laughs> we it's got like this. the 1800s all over again. <laughs> Trevelyan. Trevelyan. Uh, excuse me. Sorry. But you're English and I'm Australian. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. And also, because my biological father's Irish, or at least his name is. Yeah. I'm more Irish than you. Ooh. Although, is your mum Irish? Yes, yeah, she is Irish. Okay, yeah. so I'm not more Irish than you. <laughs> We're both the same. Well, you know who your mum is. <laughs> I've, I've got no... I want to do that 23 in me because I reckon I'm quite Irish. You know 23 in me with the genes? Oh, yeah. And I'm also excited that I might find some biological half-brothers and sisters on my, my, paternal, my paternal father's side. <laughs> what yeah. other kind of father can you have but a paternal one? <laughs> So we got this lovely box of cookies delivered backstage. Thank you, DFW, for coming to Dublin, etc. I won't read out all the nice things they've said. And then it says, Jenny and the team at the Dublin Cookie Company. And can I just... This is not one of those things on Instagram where I have to say it's free, but I was given it. And look, there's pictures of me at my film premiere on the biscuit. Look at her boobs. This is... This is <laughs> They were this amazing. is why I said to Alison backstage, people are not going to like me anymore because they're going to go, well, oh, right, you've got your face on a biscuit now. But how yeah. lovely is that? And uh, you're like... Is that you? Are you Jenny? Oh, uh, thank Jenny? you, Jenny. Are you Jenny from the block? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, Jenny from the biscuit block. Look at that. And uh, we've got other ones. She's just Look. like a regular BNBN, isn't she? <laughs> Do you remember those then, biscuits? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm touching them all now, but this one's got uh, the guilty feminist. And is, this is from our sign at the Brexit march. Put it to the people and then asterisk, women are people. Mm. There you go. <laughs> and then there's, there's all sorts of amazing cookies here. And I'm so excited about it. I feel like I need to pass them round, but there they aren't enough. I think you... they need to be... It's amazing. You're like Jesus. Should have... You have Ooh. your own biscuit. That's we can like pass it out to the people <gasps> like communion. Oh, what? we could do it like communion, because you only get do a bit then. With, with like a priest, I'll just go out with okay, there. Okay, do you want to do... <laughs> what, does, what does priest say again at the start of... Are you going to do... <laughs> okay, right there. I mean, no wonder they called her a Protestant at school. <laughs> what do I say again? Body of Christ. <laughs> no, 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 
no. It shouldn't be body of Christ. Surely it should be body of Maya Angelou. Body... Are you suggesting alternative Lord and Saviour for feminism? Yeah. Okay. Who's the feminist Lord and Saviour of feminism? Yeah. <laughs> Who? Yeah. It's not me. Yeah. It's definitely not me. St. Bridget. St. Bridget. Who's St. Bridget? St. Um, Bridget, she's a member of Bewitched. Um, <laughs> 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 She's a pagan, um, she's a pagan. <laughs> and then the Catholic Church came over and goes, she's ours. Um, uh, they did that with so much. Easter, Christmas, they took quite a lot. Okay, so I've got 10 quid on, well, in fact, in a way, who gets the best biscuits, really? Who gets to fleece the biscuit tin first? I've got money on one Michael, you've got money on two Michaels, and they I'm have to be... I'm already eating a biscuit, like... <laughs> They have to be original gay Michaels. Okay, how many original gay Michaels in the house? One there? Yes! Can we have the house lights up, please? Can we have the house lights up? Original gay Michael, what does your shirt say? Dismantle white feminism. Oh my God! Amazing. Okay, one gay Michael, two gay Michaels! Wait. Do we have three, a third? Two, one. Do we have a third game? Wow. <laughs> I hope. You, did you throw the chocolate cover? I did. I'm sorry. I was saving that. It was more aerodynamic. It seemed. <laughs> you knew there was one chocolate clover and it looked amazing. I'm so sorry. There's loads of chocolate chip cookies when in I, here. When I just get, they're like frisbees. Oh wait, wait, look. No, I can't. No, no, it's been thrown into the ground. <laughs> she was. She won't eat it now, she's fussy. She's fussy. Ah. <laughs> uh, Deborah. Can I throw can I throw one of the It's like a sh- it's a shamrock. Shamrock. I, lads, shamrock. Woman... Did I say clover? <laughs> I meant shamrock. The woman this is, is a genuine Irish, shamrock okay? from Waterford. <laughs> Um, oh, it was worth taking back. Is it good? Mm. Okay. Mm. Well, I'm very sad I threw it out now. No. No. Uh, so we've got two gay Michaels, one there. And where's the other one? Gay, gay Michael up the back? What's your name, gay Michael? I mean, My- what's your T-shirt? I mean, your name is gay Michael. I know that. I'm sorry. <laughs> what's your, what do you, are you wearing a T-shirt? Have you ever hooked up? Have you ever, no, like, just hung out as friends? I don't mean it like that. I don't mean it like that. Have you ever connected? Why are you not sitting together? Did you not know? Have you not made friends? Okay. So, Gay Michaels, after the show, we'll meet in the foyer, yeah? Yeah. So, there are two out of the three. What happened to the third? Did you kill him? <laughs> no. And now, I'm going to ask, are there any extra Gay Michaels in the audience? Did any Gay Michaels come because they felt, like, really safe? Is there an extra Gay Michael making up the set of three? Really? Oh, my God, really? Can you just shout out? Is there a bi Michael? Is there <laughs> a pan Michael? Yeah. Yes. Is really? Show me. Wave. And we're back to a set 
of three gay Michaels here in Dublin. You have seen it happen live before your very eyes. We will meet you in the foyer afterwards. Where's a good meeting place in the foyer? What's a landmark in the foyer? ATM machine. An ATM machine? Yeah. I'm not going to fleece them for money. No. Okay, I'll meet you by the ATM machine. And we'll have a photo of the three gay Michaels. Because last time I'd never got that photo. I know it was taken, but not on my phone. So I want both... Well, someone fo- just has a picture of you with three gay Michaels and hasn't shared it. Like, that's mine. <laughs> so we're going to get both pictures of the three gay Michaels. And this is the... This is like um, the Sugar Babes, isn't it? Yeah. We've changed the lineup. Siobhan is gone now, so... <laughs> Siobhan is not allowed in the three gay Michaels. You're only allowed in the three gay Michaels if you're a three gay Michael. That's true. Okay, are we ready? Yes. If you weren't here for the first show, you might be confused by this if you didn't listen. There was, we discovered through audience participation... Yep. <laughs> We're very behind. <laughs> Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Our guest today... Our guest today is a senior journalist on the Irish edition of the Times newspaper and is famous for feminist undercover stories. Please welcome to the stage the magnificent Ellen Coyne! Oh, my God. Would you like a biscuit? Um, I would, but I'm so nervous I might vomit it right on this, so I don't think anybody wants that. You're, you're not, but you do undercover feminist stories. How can you be nervous of this? This is literally a podcast. <laughs> That's true. That is true. But uh, normally I'm dealing with people who are literally unfeminist for a living, so I'm feeling a lot more like I have a lot more to lose from the people in this room because I probably hold you in higher esteem than the people uh-huh. that we normally expose. Well, listen, welcome to the Guilty Feminist Sisterhood. We bathe you in love. We bathe you in love and feminism, and we're so excited to hear from you. So tell us some of your undercover feminist stories, please. So um, I do a lot of undercover investigations for the Ireland edition of The Times, and since 2016, we've done three undercover investigations to try and change the law here on unregulated crisis pregnancy agencies. So I don't... So I don't know if people know, but at the moment, like, there is no law regulating them. So literally anyone in this room could set up a crisis pregnancy agency and use really, like, feminine fonts and lots of pro-choice language and entice people in and say anything you want to somebody in a vulnerable crisis pregnancy situation and nothing can happen to you. So obviously for anti-abortion organizations, this is amazing. So they've been doing it since 1997. They were like, people knew about it. Like there was an illegal adoption case flagged in 1997 
But despite that, up until 2016, there was no kind of noise made about it and nobody tried to regulate it. So we've gone undercover in, I think, three of these anti-abortion agencies over the last few years. And most recently, the ones that are also working with American groups to now intercept women going into hospitals and clinics now that abortion is a legal public health service in Ireland. Well, when you say intercept, like, how do they intercept? So before... Are they um, like, hey, you look like you're getting an abortion. (laughs) It's like barely more sophisticated than that. Okay. So like before their whole thing was to stop somebody booking a flight or traveling to a country where abortion is legal, which is great for them because if they could just delay it long enough, then uh, the flight would be too expensive or you'd be gone beyond the limit and you can't have the abortion. But now because abortion is a legal public health service here, they're under like way more pressure to do it as quickly as possible. So we went undercover and expose some of their tactics. They'll use things like exploit a woman's financial vulnerability. So say to you, you know, you don't want to pay for a GP appointment. Why don't you come into our clinic and we'll give it to you for free? I can give you a free pregnancy test. We can give you like a free ultrasound scan to the point that these people were saving up money during the referendum to buy ultrasound machines so that they'd have like this kind of sophisticated setup available. And I should say as well, like these people, once they get women in the room, say things like abortion causes breast cancer. They'll claim that if you go on to continue a pregnancy later in life, you'll be more likely to be turned into a child abuser. You'll lose all your female organs. So the whole modus operandi is to intercept women, do not let them know that you're anti-abortion, and then terrify them out of a choice that they would have made into a choice that these faceless organizations would be more comfortable with. Yeah, and boo. What was it like when you went undercover? Did you pretend to be Um, pregnant? Yeah, we had to. So uh, obviously you have to pretend to be pregnant um, to contact these groups. We always kind of thought, uh, you know, surely this wouldn't work. But these groups have very, like, hold women in very low esteem, assume that they can tell you all sorts of lies and nonsense. So we've always kind of posed undercover as women looking for pregnancy advice services, which is important because you want the investigations to show to people exactly what these people have been saying to hundreds, if not thousands of women in Ireland for decades. How Uh, do you fake an ultrasound? Because I see you go in, you go, oh, I'm pregnant. Oh, I'm not sure what I want to do. Oh, that part I get. Yeah. But then when the ultrasound happens, don't they just go, oh... We've not got a live one here. Like, yes. you know I mean, you're and then not you're actually like, pregnant. Hallelujah! <laughs> <laughs> I'll just leave. Yeah, tax mate. <laughs> yeah, that was. Um... You're right. I don't need an abortion. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was uh, something that we realised like way too late into the first investigation. <laughs> To the point that, like, I have a really, like, distinct memory of sitting in front of our lawyer. So the newspaper has lawyers exactly because I keep creating these situations where he was staring at me slack-jawed when I was like, can we bring a pregnant woman's pee into the (laughs) clinic? And he was like, no, absolutely not. So we were like, we'll just dial it out. So uh, for that investigation, my colleague Catherine Sands went in um, and it suited, like, the cover story because she's American. And she was like, I'm a student. What? Abortion's illegal here? And uh, we were like, we'll just, like, style it out and see what happens. So she lay on the table and, like, pulled her top up. Her top was covering the undercover camera. Oh. So we were like, ah. So she pulled it up, like, just enough. They had the gel. And then they were, like, doing the, like, rubby bit. And as I was listening to it, I was like, yeah, this is an undercover reporter who, like, isn't pregnant at all. But that's 
an anti-abortion activist <laughs> pretending to be a sonographer, so nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. What other undercover investigations have you done? We are just finishing one at the moment, which is not about anti-abortion activism. It's about a similar nasty group that's doing some very bad things to LGBT people in Ireland. And we just got it like over the line legally today. So by the time this podcast goes out, it'll be published. So we're looking at that. So keep it quiet now, Lex. <laughs> yeah, you know, Lex like, there's another reporter Come from another Irish paper here. Keep it a secret, can <laughs> <laughs> So what, are you allowed to tell us any more about that? It appears that we've uncovered a group that's practicing something that a lot of people would describe as conversion therapy. What? Yeah, so it's basically like... So sometimes when you hear the word conversion therapy, you think about those really like aggressive like psychological practices. Conversion therapy also applies to anything where you're telling someone to suppress their sexual identity or kind of talk them into being straight. Obviously, it's the same kind of thing. These shady groups like need to be brought into uh, the light and exposed. The only way to do it properly is to show exactly what they would be saying to somebody in like a vulnerable situation. So we've been working on that at the moment. And as I mentioned, because abortion is legal now, we're also keeping a really close eye on these groups, which instead of just using those crisis pregnancy agencies are now going to be standing outside like your local hospital and your local GP clinic trying to like entrap those women basically in their like lies and bullshit and nonsense. Wow. And when you go in and you're undercover, what does that feel like? Because you're going undercover for feminism. You're sort of faking it for feminism, for this greater good. Is it a real thrill? No, you're just terrified all the time. Like, I get really disturbed because every time we start when I'm like, there's no way this will work. Like, they definitely won't fall for this again. And then I get really uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) They always do. And then halfway through, I get really, like, uncomfortable with, like, how viable being a con artist would be as, like, a career person. I'm Speak like, to it- con. Con. In the second row. Nominative determinism over here. He's probably stolen a number of your pizzas. I know, yeah. And a couple of your terminations. <laughs> um, Ellen, what do we need to know if we wanted to go undercover for feminism? What advice could you give us? Uh, never overestimate the intelligence of misogynists because you'll always get in. <laughs> like they, they never check. Um, also, like the one thing I suppose that kind of annoys me about the undercover work is I feel like it should be just as valid for me to write a piece being like regulate crisis pregnancy agencies, mm. but you kind of have to use um, methods like this in the most shocking way possible to get politicians' attention because everyone loves like the kind of sexy undercover part about it, which means other newspapers and like broadcasters and stuff will cover our work, which means we have a better chance of getting the minister's attention, which means we have a better chance of like changing the law. So sometimes it seems like you're just doing it to fill that kind of fantasy of being like real sexy, cool, like trench coat feminism. Mm-hmm. But that's um, what I would be doing. Just certainly. Need to get like as make like make it as attention seeking as possible if you actually want to achieve what you've set out to when you discovered all this bad shit happening. And is there anything else you want to tell us about the work that you're doing and how we could help with it? Yes, those stories are the really cool ones that I'm really proud of. The thing with uh, women, particularly in Ireland, is a lot of the time the bad stuff happening to us doesn't require undercover feminism because it's happening like in plain sight. So there's a really important convention called the Istanbul Convention, which our government made a big fuss of ratifying on International Women's Day. So the press releases were like hashtags everywhere. 
But um, <laughs> there is a story I'm working on at the moment that isn't like as cool or sexy or undercover. The Istanbul Convention requires us to have one refuge place for every 10,000 people in the country. The Irish government has decided that it only wants to have one place for every 10,000 women over 18 in the country, which means that while the government is claiming it has more than 100% of the refuges it requires, it only has about 30%. And the latest figures say that there is like 14 women and children a day being turned away from refuges in Ireland because they're at capacity. I've been writing about this for ages. Nobody's paying attention. So if you could write to your TD about it, I think it would be like really, really helpful just to try and get it back on the agenda again when the government's like patting itself on the back for ratifying this, that convention and then like doing nothing about it. So yeah. can we follow you? I'll follow her anywhere, though. Can, can we follow you, or are you undercover yeah. so you can't be on? Oh, no, no, no. I'm like, they all, all those anti abortion people hate me. I would never like, get in the door now anymore. Uh, you can follow me you at. Put on a mustache. Never overestimate the intelligence of exactly. a misogynist. You're totally right. Yes, I will try that. Uh, you can follow me at LNM Coin. I write for the Ireland edition of The Times, and you su can subscribe now for a fiver a month which is like mm. loads, yeah. and they throw in the Sunday Times as well. And will you on Twitter then lead us to what we're meant to do? Uh, because yes. people, what I've discovered is people don't need it to be easy, but they do need it to be simple. <laughs> it's, it's, I love that clap, yeah. yeah. No, but, but we do, because we're all busy and we all want to get behind a lot of causes and a lot of people you know, trying to make a living and, you know, all sorts of things going on but they want to help. But if it's like, oh, what was I meant to do for who and when? And do I have to write or can I email? So if there could be something, if you could pin a tweet to this audience this week and then when the podcast goes out, everyone could just go there, click on it and there could be instructions as to what to do or, you know, click through or whatever. I'm sure everyone will get behind it. And if there could be a tweet, we could retweet. Absolutely. Um, and some way that we could help you that's very simple for everyone to do. Would you get behind that? Yeah. Yeah. And is there anything else that you'd like us to know about uh, the work that you're doing or any undercover cases that you've done? Uh, just the one that's coming up. If you can like, retweet that one when it comes out, that would be great because uh, conversion therapy is not illegal yet. Uh, and conversion therapy is not illegal? Well, it's kind of one of those things where like, the government wasn't like, let's make it legal. It's just never been legislated for. Right. Uh, Fintan Warfield, the Sinn Féin uh, senator, has been like, doing some work on this with a private member's bill. I'm not sure where it is at the moment, but that bill has kind of already been created. So uh, once the story comes out, if you could like, write to your TD that, as well, that would be great. Also, newspapers are dying. Uh, so, like, yeah. If you wanted to subscribe, that would be great. Uh, if you feel like you're complicit in the Murdoch Emperor, I understand, but I really feel like he forgets about us half the time anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and it is just a fiver a month. <laughs> yeah. Um, we did a whole episode on supporting The Guardian for the same reason. If you want to follow what Ellen's doing, subscribe to The Times or find another news source you do want to subscribe to because journalists need to be paid to do investigative reporting and not just BuzzFeed lists. Yeah. We have to pay for a free press. Yeah. We have to pay for a free press. And, and if we stop paying, we lose our free press. So whatever you can afford, if that is one euro a month, if it's one euro a week, if you could say, right, I'm not going to have one coffee from whatever the Starbucks is called here. <laughs> Oh, Starbucks. Oh, no. Starbucks. Yeah, there you go. If, uh, what, I knew I was going to get it wrong. Uh, whichever way I went. But if you could have one fewer coffee a month or something like that and just put that money, because if we do not 
we will not be able to afford because Ellen can't you know be going undercover on her own time with her own funds and also have another job so if we want these stories to be uncovered like there's actual conversion therapy going on in Ireland right now and if we want that to be uncovered and we want it to be legislated against we have journalists our front line Mm. please pay for a free press please Follow Ellen. Where can we follow you on Twitter? Uh, ask Ellen M. Coin. Great. So, if and international listeners, please follow Ellen as well and follow journalists in your hometown that are doing good investigative reporting. And if you ever had an undercover story that you wanted help with that required something like some really sexy lingerie, <laughs> I have got a fabulous trench coat and I would definitely come with you. I don't really mind what the story is. <laughs> Hi, it's Tom. It's Jess. And John. From the Best Pick podcast. We're just dropping in to let you know that we're doing another live recording. On Sunday the 15th of September at 12 noon, we'll be watching Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca. Please come along and watch it with us, and we would love to hear your questions and comments afterwards. It won't be just us on the mic, it'll be you too. And you get to watch the movie with us uh, during the course of the show. Book your tickets now by going to kingsplace.co.uk. We'll see you there. Bye. Please welcome to the stage the exceptional Alison Spittal! So I have been looking at the news recently and there's um, some Swedish scientists, right? And they have uh, made a report that recommends that dog owners do not give their dogs sloppy kisses, right? Um, (laughs) Because of... (laughs) germs from raw meat that that might enter your mouth if you give a dog a sloppy kiss, right? (laughs) Now, I think, right, you don't need a report to tell you (laughs) not to give your dog sloppy kisses because it just looks weird, do you know? (laughs) Do you ever see people? Do you ever see people on a train or in a park or wherever, in your home, and... They have the dog, and they just have their mouth open and let the dog lick their open mouth. Do you ever see that? I know, that's the reaction that I have too, right? And they look you in the eye. They look you in the eye, the owner of that dog. They look you in the eye and they go, stop me. (laughs) You can't stop me because it's not illegal. (laughs) I implore you, stop me, right? It's like watching a... a 38-year-old man go out with a 19-year-old woman. Do you know? It's not illegal, but it's wrong and don't shove it in my face. <laughs> so that's the way I am. <laughs> ah, feck it. Um, the other thing is, because I go between London and Ireland a lot, right? I've got my routine down now when it comes to the airport. I have my laptop out of the laptop bag straight away. I don't even bother with liquids. I'm just in and out straight, right? And uh, I was going through the airport the other week. It was Dublin Airport. And out the corner of me, I was rushing and I saw this dog. And uh, it was like a little beautiful, like, cocker spaniel, I'd say. Something that's not a service dog in any respect. Because <laughs> it's too small and spindly and, you know, pretty, right? 
So I was looking at it for a second. I was like, look, what's that dog doing? And it was in the duty-free section. Um, <laughs> it was straining and taking a big shite, right? <laughs> right in front of the Dior perfume stand, right? And I had my headphones on and uh, I wasn't with anybody. But for some reason, you know, you just forget where you are, you have the headphones on. And I just started going, I started laughing really loudly, go, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and started pointing at the dog, right? And looked behind my shoulder, go, look at that dog taking a big shit there in front of the perfumes, right? There was no one behind me to share this moment at all. I was very alone, right? And when I was looking at the dog, my eyes went slightly to the left and I made direct eye contact with the woman who was bending down with a plastic bag to pick up the shit. And she was looking at me like I had taken a shit in Do you know? She's rich. And I won't lie, lads, I felt ashamed of myself. I walked away and I was like, well, you've after making a big fool of yourself there, Alison. That's when I was in the queue, going on the plane. And then, like, on the plane itself, you know, 50,000 feet above ground, I shouted out, well, that dog shouldn't have been shitting. <laughs> I had every right to point that out. <laughs> I'm not the one in the wrong. <laughs> um, and <laughs> I looked behind me, and it was the woman. <laughs> I put on my eye mask and just, just gave up. She absolutely hates me, I do. Um, guys, I think I've run out of material. So, I think I have. What's on my notebook? Ah, fuck it, you know? Uh, what? Last you need dog to go on bus. What? Uh, something on bus. On a bus? It says last bag on bus. Last bag. Oh, last bag. Ah, no, do you know what? I'll work that on that longer and then give it to you at another time. Because at the moment, it's only a situation. Do you know what I mean? Or is that the punchline? Have I given you the punchline? No, you didn't, chicken. That's another time I was on public transport and made a show of myself. So, <laughs> I'll let you go and have a great night, everybody. Yeah. Bye. Our guest to close has released three singles, Plain Static and Feeble and Stripped Down, all deal with themes of bodily autonomy and female empowerment. She just had her first headline show last week in Whelan's and it sold out. She's 21 years old and has already played at lots of major festivals. Could you please put your hands together and make amazing woohooing noises for the wonderful Molly Sterling? With her, Laura McCabe. <laughs> Laura and Molly, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Molly? Me? What do you want to know? What's your star sign? <laughs> There's a lot. My star sign? Yeah. We're getting into it. Well, I could ask you, do you want to United Ireland either? Whatever question <laughs> you feel more comfortable answering. <laughs> Uh, Pisces. 
And Laura... Spoken like a true Pisces. <laughs> Laura, you're, you're playing the cello tonight, but you are also uh, run a management company representing queer female Irish artists. Isn't yes, that I do. <laughs> I'm a very lucky woman. Can you tell us what's that called? Uh, Frank Music Management. Frank Music Management. So it's the, I didn't realise the topic of this evening was going undercover. And when I was naming the management company, I didn't know. My cello is also called Frank. I don't know why. I was is it, 11. Is it so people hire you because they think you're a man? And then when well, you I, turn then up... I was like, what, what can I call my, my management company? And then a friend of mine was like, oh, you should call it Frank because you're cello. And, and then I was like, that's a genius. Because I would experience a lot of sexism in the... I, the music industry. What? And I, I know. <laughs> shocker. Well, it's the first we've heard of it. <laughs> so then I was thinking, going, maybe I could name it Frank Music Management. And so many people write back to me, hi, Frank. And I'm just like, I'm just going to roll with it. Roll with it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Molly Sterling and Laura McCabe. Missing me, she can't remember. 
Irish people laugh because I don't know things about Ireland. 
and say them in a funny voice? Is it just me saying Waterford? That's not funny. How was it spelt? It's spelt Waterford. That's not funny. Waterford. Waterford. I can be Irish. I found out my biological father's Irish. I've never met him. Uh... Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.